Come and dream with me. Hello and welcome to What Do You Want to Watch, the Explosion Network's premier media podcast. Every fortnight we get together, we talk about movies, TV and online content, and have definitely not manipulated our iTunes review score. Joining me today, Nicholas Pryor. That's me. Also joining me today, Dylan Blight. That's me. No, that's me. It's me, Mr. Macy's. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> Off to a cell start. <laughs> all right, let's just cut through all the bullshit. There was only one thing we desperately need to talk about, and that is the new season of Queer Eye came out less than You're a week. Fucking right, Ash. <laughs> let's like get a week ago. It. Both of us have watched all of it. <laughs> Dylan, what'd you think? <laughs> Loved it. Loved uh, it. It's as it's as I think it's better than the first season. Easily. Yes, I think the highs are higher than the first season. I think there is lows one, are lower. There is one low. I think that, we both agree the, on the that. gamer dude. Yeah, that yeah, was he's the that worst. was a rough watch. <laughs> that was the but worst. that. that but it was just, it's not so much them, it's just the person they decided to help. Was, was he like yeah, no, stereotypical, stereotypical gamer guy? He was col- or whatever, university dropout kind, kind of situation. Yeah. Uh, sitting at home on a couch all day, sl- eating junk food, just playing Gears of War. Clogging up our Indians. Yeah, well, American, so. But if he was here, he would be calling out her ambience. But yeah, yeah, he was just terrible. And then he was a chronic liar. He would oh. he lied to the guys. And then they would be like, hey, when we first got here, you said something completely different. And he's like, uh, uh, maybe, whoops. And then he would lie again and again. And I mean, the, the show works because most of the time, the people you meet and they're trying to help, you're like, yeah, they deserve, like, they seem like good people. Like, and yeah. you, you kind of want to see them succeed. But it doesn't work when the person they're trying to help you just like, don't fucking help him. He is a dickhead. <laughs> yeah. And that's all I thought. And they, I mean, they tried to swing it. Like, there's that one point where, so Bobby's the, the house designer, one of them. And usually... Like, usually for everyone else, the the person goes away and they get their hair cut, they do their clothes, they, they take, a, uh, Carmo takes them out and does whatever fun stuff with them. But this time they had the kid come back to the house and Bobby's like, no, you're going to help me clean the fucking house because you need to learn to do something with your life, like you lazy fuck, which is the only time they've done it in the entire show. And even then he's like, yeah, I think I'm done over here. And then Bobby would be like, you're not. There's still fucking grass over there. Go, like, <laughs> finish <laughs> cleaning up, you... Un- um, yeah, but by the end of that episode, it was just, like... T- uh, it was just awkward. And yeah. I, I, I didn't like him, but... I mean, that's the worst. We're speaking to... The, the highest episode, of course, is the the trans... Oh, I don't... The first episode just, is, like... I think they're neck and neck. I... Uh, I think the trans one's about simply because it's they, they go there and it has so there's several moments in that episode that are I can't remember the the, the guy's name the, Skylar what's the Skyler Skyler yes yeah. okay they they go and there's heaps of like the, the episode opens with them watching a video of uh, him getting top surgery 
um, and that's just like a, a kick. Wait, that's something to. I think that's pretty brave. That's a pretty to open. bold open. Yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty bold opening that'll k- kick a lot of people in the face who are just coming along for the. The show the sounds happy- far too violent. <laughs> <laughs> I think it kicks it kicks a lot of people Graphic, in the face. Graphic, I think, is the word you're looking for. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one I tweeted out where I was like, "I'm crying before the fucking opening credits have even started" because it's just it's intense to 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 watch, and then they're all crying, and then we're all crying, and then we're, everyone's crying. Yeah. Um, so that uh, that's a really really good episode. But then there's there's a moment in the episode that I think pays off um, really really well, and just kind of shows that um, you know naivety is even within the OBGQ, uh community where Tan actually has a conversation with Skylar. And it's like, hey, like, why would you go through this? Why would you even have the surgery? It just seems like it's more money and pain than it's even worth. Blah, 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 blah. And so, so you see, you have this conversation with this guy, uh, this gay guy um, with a trans person, which is, I, I think people like to throw around the, you know, the shade cloth that if you're in the, for the quote unquote rainbow spectrum that you simply must, everyone understands everyone else's, uh, problems or what they go through in life i guess you know so it's like a gay person understands what it's like for a, a bi person a, a gay person understands what it's like for a trans person etc but it was just like a cool conversation that i haven't actually seen shown in anything really um and then the first episode the one that you like i i, I put that at second for, for me personally. Yeah, that pretty, one is just, just a, neck neck. a feel good yeah oh, you can talk oh, about that one you can i, go I that watched one. that episode and everything was right with the world i mean <laughs> Uh, well, explain that one. Yeah, the first for the first time they uh, made over a woman, uh, Tammy, who's like a really religious, church-going woman. Uh, so obviously there was a bit of conflict because a lot of the guys, obviously, they, they surprisingly come from like a re- religious background, but have different. Bobby's like Catholic or something. Yeah, I think, but they have different. History? Obviously, they yeah. because they're gay. They uh, some of them have been a bit stigmatized. So seeing them dealing with that and uh trying to help that community uh yeah and then for tammy to be such a lovely woman as well and her her son is gay as well and he he was trying to be confident as well and then and then they all well, he went, used to go to church and then, and then when he, he got bullied um, and came he, out he's he got bullied and then he stopped going to church even though he wanted to go to church and he really enjoyed it so it's just this whole whole thing yeah. and then and then when they're all leaving, she gives this nice speech about each and every single one of them and says all these nice things and everybody's crying and it's it's beautiful. Just beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Can, this, it's such, it's it's just probably the be- most feel-good TV show on currently in production. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You I watch just- Australia's Funny Same Video Show. <laughs> I don't know if that, do they even make that anymore? Yes. Do they? Uh, Americans probably into like 50th season of that. Yeah. Bullshit. It's funny. They, it's like they, they make that YouTube best of fail videos TV show. It's like, go watch fail TV on YouTube. Like they literally- Oh, did they make a TV and... show of that? Yeah. The, it's like, what's the point of that? Like it's, Tosh.0. It's on TV. It's so, it's so behind. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Queer Eye is just, it is the ultimate. It, it is honest. It is easily one of the best shows. When we get to the end of the year, there's no way me and Ash aren't giving one of our top point yeah, if this, is, this, this will show. definitely be on the list at the end of the yes, year. Yes, it's definitely on the wish, um, the list. And it's not even like it's a shitty show and we're kind of like, oh, it's just a bit of fun and like we're amping it up trying to, you know, um, kind of like how sometimes it's like you talk about a show like your Arrow or your Flash or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like your CW type shows, even your Riverdales, which we do love. 
It's not like one of these shows where it's kind of bad, but you enjoy it at the same time. This is just a hundred percent, just a good show. Yeah. And this is coming from someone who hates reality TV. Like I hate reality TV. I don't, I, I wouldn't even watch it, but there's such a genuine feel to this show. Yeah. And then when you can go on Twitter and you can see the real people tweeting about it and you see like the people from season one, like the, the, the guy and the girl that got together, the, the older dude or whatever, yeah. like first or second episode, like you see, they got married after the first season, like they're tweeting about it and all sort of stuff. So I think social media kind of helps with the, like, oh, I bet you it's all fake, like kind of thing. You're like, no, it's just, it's, it's yeah, it's really good. And all the guys are great. Great show, yeah. 10 out of 10. If you're not watching it, awesome. you're yeah. Nick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, there's only 16 episodes. It's an easy catch up. Uh, apparently, you're right, Dylan. They did film an episode in, yes, New South Wales. Yes. yes, New South Wales, yeah. Yes, Queen. <laughs> so they're, they're currently filming season three. So yeah. hypothetically, on the rate they're going, the first season aired started February, well, they got dropped February 7th. The yeah. season got dropped June 15th. So maybe yeah. October, season end, three. End, end of this year when we're doing our best of awards, we're like, yeah. well, which season of uh, Queer Eye do we give our award to? Season one, two, or three? Or three. <laughs> <laughs> We just give it, uh, it gets three votes. That's a. It gets three votes, each, yeah. Each season gets it. We'll have to make a rule there somewhere. Do you feel yeah. that it coming out so frequently like that will, I don't know, get fatigue from it at all? Uh, I don't no, think it's so. like when we it's like when we did our reacts right to it. We, me and Ash did a react on twitch.tv slash explosion network to the the trailer that came out like a week or whatever two weeks before the second season and it's like I was saying in that I'm like I hope they don't just do the same type of people because that's where the show gets boring and blah 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 yeah. and then you see in the trailer it's like they're doing a lady they're doing a trans person they're do- you know it's just, just like the same next season they'll do a cat guys. and a donkey no but I would watch them do a cat <laughs> Or cat ladies. There's, there's enough people in the world that is not going to get boring fast. No. You, know? you also got to get the fine people willing to be on the show too, don't you? Well, they also haven't branched out far. Like, all of what they've shot in two seasons is in mm. the same kind of is area. Is in Georgia. Yeah, around so Atlanta. for those who haven't watched it, how do they get... the? Do they just show up to somebody's house? Like, does somebody nominate they get them? Nominated Someone nominates them. Okay. Them. Fr- friend nominates them or family member nominates right. them and then you, you'll see kind of the video which is like i'm nominating um my friend such and such because uh this reason this reason they had a down in life they nearly need something to help them out or like they're really good but they need help with like what they look like to succeed in their job blah blah, blah. you know it's they get nominated from friends or family and that's they they pick out of x amount of people yeah. i suppose and then they just rock up one day they do the whole they just turn up randomly well, we're here to an extent um, i think yeah but they obviously. they know that they're coming yeah. but they don't know like uh, they know they're coming that day from what i can tell it's like look the camera's already here of course they're going to be turning up this day but they still surprise them somewhat you know yeah as far as, as surprised as you can be knowing that they're going to turn up at, at some stage in the day i guess yeah also i want to say it's ridiculous that sean has that apartment in the second last episode that looks way uh, too big for a 18 year old college kid yeah, they, 18-year-old kid, his uh, adopted mum or whatever, like, that's what it was, right? He was, his he godmother was adopted, or whatever, but yeah, pretty his much godmother. adopted. Yeah, and it's like, here's a, a, a basically an empty barn. It's the first time in the show, because they usually fix up people's houses 
you know, they fix it up a little bit, put some new stuff in, whatever. He's just got this completely empty place, which means that when they renovate it, they basically build an entire house for him. And it, I remember the first time we see it, I'm like, I'd fucking live there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Freaking jealous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Cool. All right, Nick, you haven't talked much yet. Let's talk about some of the stuff you've been watching. Yeah, uh, do you want to talk about that. Warcraft? Sure. What do you think? Because it was not the most well-reviewed movie when it came out. Look, for what it was, I think it was pretty good, actually. It captured the spirit of the games and the story and all that. Like, And the CGI was pretty fantastic, to be honest. Like, it didn't look out of place at all. Like, it it felt... It didn't take you out of the experience. The, the few negatives that I have is that the acting was pretty stiff. Yeah. Like, um... And the main orc girl was very, um, I don't know, she was very odd. In well, she's an orc, so. No, no, she, she's just very, I don't know, it's hard to explain. It, she just felt disconnected to the whole thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know if it was her acting or if they told her to act that way, it just felt off. But yeah, um, although if you're a fan of the series at all, I recommend giving it a watch at least. Does it tie in at all? Or well, it covers the first the story of the very first game, like the oh, okay, so from yeah, yeah, very Warcraft, first Warcraft, Warcraft game, Warcraft. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's interesting going back and seeing how the orcs first got there and all that. Like for people who might have, I don't know, a analog or any idea how the story kind of started or anything like that. Does it work if you give hey, if you've Never played anything. You just want a decent. Yeah, well, it it's it works. It's a self-contained story. You don't need to have a overarching knowledge of Warcraft at all. Okay. Well, another film you watched today, I believe, uh, yes. the Hitman's Bodyguard. Yes, I did. What do you think? I Samuel enjoyed it. Jackson, Ryan Reynolds. It's did you watch this on stand? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's very much like a buddy cop. Strange Bedfellows kind of movie, like in almost in the like similar to the other guys with Mark Wahlberg and that, but it's just it's Samuel L. Jackson playing typical Samuel L. Jackson and Ryan Reynolds playing Ryan Reynolds and just just put throwing them into insane situations and action sequences and stuff. Like this is the the story was pretty basic, like, but it was just seeing them playing off each other was pretty fun to watch. But the runtime I felt went a little bit too long yeah have you seen that one dylan i haven't seen it no i remember i remember watching trailer for going this looks kind of funny but definitely something when it comes to netflix or stan or whatever so it's 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 in the back of my mind it's on my watch queue on stan for one day if i'm just like mindless comedy action film that seems like it's in the genre oh and gary oldman was in it and was completely wasted like why why put money Put put money forward to get Gary Oldman in this film to just. Is this a spoiler? Does he have like a random cameo? No, no, he's like the, the bad villain. guy. The, I, I guess you could say the antagonist, yeah, but he's very under underutilized. Okay. Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another one you watched, The Hateful Eight. Yes. What are your feelings on The Hateful Eight? I haven't seen The Hateful Eight. Sell me on it. I really enjoy. Don't it. sell me on it. Um, it's very much, um, the movie reminds me the most of actually, oh, well, Reservoir Dogs, of course, but there's another movie called Identity, which is kind of like a similar thing where they get 
like it's you the premise is that they get trapped in a room and nobody can trust each other and they think everyone's working against each other and stuff like that and just basically it's a character movie where they're just playing off each other shit goes down and who done it and whatnot so yeah the the, the few thing few things I didn't like was where uh, spoilers, Samuel L. Jackson goes on a rant towards Why it. are we doing spoilers? Ash hasn't watched it yet. I don't care. <laughs> well, Do you care? It, it, it's, there's someone, like, someone has a pass with somebody else and he goes, carries on to the old guy and I just didn't like that whole sequence. And some Why? of the- I know what you're talking about. Why? What? I don't know. It just- I don't know. It felt like it went on too long or he just- Do you like the penis? Not even that. It's just- <laughs> What? <laughs> There's penis. Yeah. <laughs> it just felt very Yeah, I'm um, going to pull that out of context and post it somewhere. <laughs> Didn't like the penis? <laughs> it almost felt like Quinn Tarantino was trying to go too edgy there, I guess. Oh. I, I love the movie. I, I, oh, yeah. I, I really enjoyed up, it. I think I gave it 8.5. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an acquired taste too. Like, I know a lot of people don't like it because it's not like what he has done recently, but... It's such a slow burn. Oh, yeah, it is very, very fantastic slow. actors all in this fucking room chucked together. Like, everyone's just... It's just trying to out-act everyone else and kind of... And some genuine shocks that I didn't see coming... Twists I didn't see coming at all. And then when shit actually kicks off... Yeah. When the stuff actually starts going down... It's very graphic there, as well. And the violence kicks in, it is fucking violent. And it just is intense. And, I mean, it's proper Tarantino fashion, of course. When the violence starts, it's... It's it's all in your face, but I remember, I remember when I was watching it in the cinema, and the first time, uh, someone like starts dying basically, <laughs> yeah. um, and it's very graphic. And I heard someone from behind me just go, "Oh, yeah!" <laughs> like <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it's almost reminiscent of that scene from Team America. Yeah, <laughs> it is a bit actually, um, and it, it's also the move. The the reason I uh, trivia for. Hateful Eight is it's the reason I now own a record player. Uh, record player. So it's the reason I first brought my first vinyl was I, I was in love with this. I saw online the vinyl um, and just the cover art, and I saw it came with this poster and like it looked all pretty. And I was just I was in love with the imagery from that movie. I mean, it shot wonderfully. Mm. Like to, if you remember behind the scenes, Tarantino had this whole like thing about it was being it was shot on the same millimeter. thing. Yeah, shot on the same um, lenses and all that that they shot um, the fucking the three hour horse uh, cart one called the Ben Hur. Uh, ben Hur, sorry, yeah, thank you. The, Chariot. It was shot in the, the same. The original, yeah, not the terrible remake. A, yeah, not the terrible remake. The original. It was shot in the same thing as as Ben Hur, and it was like this big, and he was going around the world and trying to show it in the proper cinema so you could watch it the correct way. I mean, I didn't watch it the way he wanted it to watch. I'm sure most people don't. I, I, but. <laughs> I don't think you would have got that much more out of it, to be honest. Obviously, oh, I haven't those seen those beautiful it, landscapes yeah, at but the start, and they this—they're they're so few and far between, though. Yeah, but then it even just adds because, like, they shoot it in that cabin, and just I feel like having a wider perspective, like we lose some of the image, you know, like it's. I don't know. It's it's his image. I, I believe in him. There's he didn't just. I don't believe he just did it to be wanky. Like mm. I, mean, I believe him behind it. Well, someone yeah, anyway. It's, like vi- visually, it's yeah. it's a really good. Movie. I think it's I my favorite the, Tarantino movie. I wanted the um the 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 vinyl just to have to hang it on my wall, mm. kind of just to have the the artwork there. But then once I got it, I'm like, oh yeah, might as well fucking buy the 
<laughs> the, record, the reason I didn't want to do it was because I'm like, once I go down this hole, I know I'll just start buying heaps, mm. which is kind of how it went, but I haven't been that bad. <laughs> that, but that, that's the trivia. The, the first vinyl I ever brought was the two days after I saw the movie, I think. <laughs> I came home and was like, I need that. Yeah. I still right. love the soundtrack. It's great. Uh, so this week, I had an opportunity to actually get to the cinema. So I saw The Incredibles 2. 14 movies. No. <laughs> Judging by your Instagram. <laughs> well, I went- <laughs> yeah, I went and saw The Incredibles 2. Uh, like half of America, it seems like, because it just had the biggest box, o- box office weekend for an animated film ever. Uh, it's fun. It's not as great. It's it's not on par with the original, I think, but that might just be nostalgia. Well, Dylan, that if you playing- don't have nostalgia or high thoughts yeah, about the original. Because Dylan and I yeah, weren't huge Nick fans don't. of the original. Yeah. You're not, re- re- um, we don't hate it. No. Like, I, I know, which is like, it's fine. It's, it's yeah. fine. <laughs> you, you just, there's so many superhero films, it's like hard to match, I guess. Well, even just animated-wise, yeah. I, I just don't have it up there among my other no. Disney Pixar okay. movies. Yeah. Well, it, it's fun. Uh, they sort of reverse the roles, where uh, in the original, Mr. Incredible was off doing all the the mi- missions, and this time Elastigirl is taking the lead, which is great. Uh, she is awesome, and there's a chase sequence in the middle of the film that makes me want a really good Fantastic Four film, because they use her like stretching abilities... Uh, like really creatively and stuff. Uh, but the star of this film, the scene stealer, is little Jack Jack. There is a scene in this film that might be my favorite thing I've seen so far this year. The big words, Ash. What's yeah, his I power? know. He's got heaps of powers. That's the thing. So there <laughs> is. <laughs> yeah. So people yeah, who see the film will know what I'm it. talking about. But yeah. It's great. You haven't sold me, but I, I still might go watch it because watching animated stuff on the big screen is always yeah. kind of the way. Also, there's it. the the Bow short film that's on before it, which is uh, it's uh, an uh, uh, elderly Asian lady makes Bow and then one of them becomes sentient. So, Westworld. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, yeah, it's it, it's like very weird, and then it gets very heartfelt towards the end. So. That's really good. Uh, although, I don't know if you guys have heard, but there should be a strobe light warning in the front of the film. Because it's like, there's like, so the villain of the film uses like strobe lights and stuff to like hypno- use hypnosis. Use epilepsy to, uh, against them. Yeah, no, like to hypnotize people. So yeah. So if you've got, if you're susceptible to strobe lighting, if you've got epilepsy and that sort of stuff, just be What if aware. you're partial to strobe lighting? Yeah. I don't know what the correct terms are, but yeah. Disney didn't give any some people any warning, so that wasn't very smart. Uh, the other film I saw was Ocean's Eight. Also, a pretty fun movie. Uh, the plot is not the most original or standout. Uh, the, fu- the the heist is fun. It makes sense. It's like cool twist on. They're not stealing from a bank or whatever. They're stealing like these really. They're, they're stealing from the Met Gala. Yeah, from the Met Gala. So there is a bunch of uh, celebrity cameos and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the cast is incredible. Kate Blanchett is the star, like probably the standout. Like, especially after the last year, like I always thought of her as like a super serious actor, but she's like been branching out. Obviously, she just with did Thor. fucking Thor. Yeah, that's what I said. Like in the last year, she's sort <laughs> oh, okay. of branched I, I out. Thought yeah, it was like this movie made me think of her not serious. No, actor. yeah, just like- on the back of that one. <laughs> I couldn't take this female actor seriously. <laughs> no, she was too serious. Uh, 
Yeah, Gus. I, do, I want to go watch this. Yeah. I'll watch yeah. it. Uh, there were some ties to the original uh, George Clooney films. Yeah, I looked films. up the one cameo. I think there's Isn't two. Isn't the girl her brother or oh, something? Oh, there's two, actually. I looked up both the cameos. There yeah. is two, you're correct. Yeah. But don't go in expecting myself. any big name. No, I, I wanted to know. I was like, this is a movie. I'm like, Google, is Brad Pitt in this? Is George Clooney in this? Nope. Apparently he's dead. All right, moving <gasps> on. Yeah. That's in like the first 10 minutes. Or what the fuck he's you? dead in quotation marks. Yeah, I mean, he could have faked his death and they have him come back in a sequel yeah, or something. Yeah, depending on how well it does, which I think it's doing pretty well. So Yeah. Critically, Although I they kind of leave it in a place where it doesn't make sense for a sequel, I guess. No. Well, at How's least Rihanna? with the same cast. How's Rihanna? Yeah, she's fine. How's Sarah Paulson? She's good. Yeah, I enjoyed her. She plays like a the mother character who's like uh, trying to trick she her kids be in into more thinking. Movies. Yeah, she's really good. How's uh, Mindy Kaling? Solid. Yeah, she she you doesn't get as much screen time. Shit. She's on the lower end of the screen time spectrum. Oh. No, he didn't. <laughs> what? <laughs> Nick just chucked out a... Did you call her fat? <laughs> no. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, yeah, I, I might go watch this. I, yeah, you I should. like what I said. I think you'll like it. Um, Let's talk about a documentary that I know we all saw in the last couple of weeks. The Big the Sick. His- the History of Bethesda. <laughs> we'll get to that. We're going to get to that. <laughs> Dracula. <laughs> the the no clips documentary the history of Bethesda. What do you guys think of that? Because we've been on E three video game overload the last week or so with E. So I watched them backwards. You watched them back yeah. So they also made the the making of Fallout documentary come out as well. Yeah, so I And it looks like I, they've lined up a bunch of other Bethesda yeah, related coming stuff out. coming so out. So the Fallout seventy seven one's thirty three minutes. That's more of a sh- short overlook at the game and I wouldn't call it a documentary. I think I feel it's kind of odd that it's called the making of when they have yeah. 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 Whatever. It was it was kind of like a long promo video. Go look at what I've titled some episodes of our podcast. Like I'm trying to get clicks too, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But regardless, people were gonna people were gonna watch it anyway. Yeah. Well it could it should just be like behind the scenes or like I don't know, something. That's not it's as not catchy, really. though. Because there's still parts in it where they're like, we haven't officially locked in this. We haven't officially locked yeah. in this. We haven't officially locked yeah, in this. Yeah, it's kind of, um, They're in a precarious position, yeah. Yeah. But the 90-minute the, the behind-the-scenes uh, of Bethesda, um, it's it's an okay doco. There's yeah. parts where I would have I been more interested in them spending more time about how the company originally got started. You know, like I, I'm more interested in that. Those yeah, they're sort of cut stuff. in when Todd Howard joins the company. Yeah, they're just like, Todd Howard's the man, so we'll just focus on the day he knocked on the, the studio's doors and rocked up. And that's interesting. Sure, that's an interesting story, but it's not called Todd Howard, the history of Bethesda or something. Yeah, you know be. what I mean? Like, <laughs> it could be. Like, I know he's integral to the company and they pretty much wouldn't be where they are without him, but I, I was a lot, I would have liked it from day dot. And then I didn't need as much to do with Skyrim and all, Fallout 3 and all. Like, these bigger games I've heard more about because they're the higher profile properties. I'm more interested in hearing about the days where the games were failing and these random games I'd never even heard of. Like, that 3D fucking uh, Elder Scrolls game where there was, like, having laugh battles at each... I don't know what was going on, but that that stuff was interesting. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, overall, it's it goes very it goes by fast. They rush through a lot of stuff. Some stuff you wish they spent more time on. It's it's still if you're into games and you're into Bethesda's games, it's still an interesting ninety minutes. It's not bad. I just think it's yeah. it's it's fine. It's not great. It's okay. Nick, yeah. uh, the best thing about it was is that I could log in on Tracked. That is also whoa. <laughs> no, like a lot of it. Because me being a fan of Elder Scrolls for a long time, like a lot of it I kind of knew already, which so I didn't get a whole lot out of it. Like it was interesting to see it all laid out into that format and interviews and stuff, but like uh, it wasn't very informative to me. Uh, so it's stuff you'd heard in interviews and that sort of yeah, thing before. Yeah, like deep diving myself. But yeah, this, I mean, it was fine. It's a good, like, if. You show it to someone who goes, oh, what's all this about? Like, what's this game studio? Or I've heard about Fallout, but it, I don't think you, it would gather Normie's attention for that length, the length it is either. Yeah. I, I found no, it enjoyable. Yeah. 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 Like, uh, um, it wasn't I'm bad. Not as, yeah. I'm not as deep with Skyrim and Fallout as probably you two are. So to learn that history was very interesting and to see them talk about bugs as well. Just mm. obviously they've embraced that side of their company and to see mm. their favorite the, bugs um, and that sort of thing was quite amusing. The thing Nick said, that's a good point I feel. The like it's not normies wouldn't be able to watch it. Whenever I watch a documentary if I'm going to really truly rate it to be a good documentary, mm. um it has to be a like it doesn't matter what the subject is, you kind of have to take away so like get me to watch a documentary about cricket or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you could make a good documentary about cricket, and if it's just a generally good storytelling documentary, I will watch it and enjoy it because that's a good documentary. Whereas this isn't good enough to work outside of people who already play the video games. Yeah. Yeah. That's not to say it's bad. And, like, there's so many documentaries that don't do that. There's so many video game documentaries I've watched. Like, oh, there's all, all those ones on Netflix that, you know, that, that are out. I've watched pretty much all of those. Um, I've watched one that was online that had a bunch of like games journalist people in it. They're, they're all fine. They're all great to watch. But like, I know that if I tried to show them to my parents or someone as like, here's just an interesting documentary. No, it wouldn't work. You need that. You no. need that initial knowledge to go in to watch it. Mm. So I guess he's in a tough spot because he's creating for his Patreons who are all video game people. So he's kind of catering for his audience. So I guess. Yeah. Uh, so another documentary you watched was the uh, making of fun, making fun the Bungo Pop story. How, how was that? Um, that's fun. I, it's it's a lot more than, than it actually gave me a lot of information I didn't know because they they don't rush to the Funko stuff or the, the well Funko's a company they don't the rush pops. to the the pop stuff the pop which is yeah. where their popularity and stuff is they they start a lot with these these two dudes or three dudes whatever it was and they're all kind of just fun just fresh face out of college what do i want to do with life like they don't really know so like i just want to have fun i want to do stuff and they tell a story about how they they saw this like i can't remember the name of the shop but like there was a shop in a disneyland or something that used to sell a lot of toys and they were like that looks really bright and lit up and it just looks really fun and exciting and, and from outside you're like i don't know what the fuck this is but i want to go in there and look at these toys and they didn't have an, a huge interest in pop culture when they started the company. Like, their, their first toys were all, like... Their, their first big hit was uh, Baby Bop, uh, Wobbler. Like, that was their their, okay, yeah. their thing. 
So it's like that's the, the kind of market they started hitting with. And you, you kind of follow along there and how it worked and how even up until the early 2000s, this is all pre-pop final stuff, they're, they're having these conventions and people are like rushing in to, to buy their toys still and they're having these yearly parties and there's there's a certain group of fans that that company's had pre-pops that actually I feel have fallen off after pops because pops is when they start getting more into the the pop culture heavy stuff and they had a huge fan base of collectors like they interview like this one lady who looks like 50 60 and she's just like collecting them all because they were all like more like 50 or 60s inspired uh toys that kind of era of okay, stuff and that's yeah. what they were, were doing a lot of the bobblehead type stuff and a lot of people were into collecting that stuff and they they were doing like original art toys and that they go to this one dude who had the prints of the original art and all this sort of stuff and then eventually the 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 ceo or whatever you want to call him the the main dude uh, eventually he sells off the, his rights to the company, he sells it off to this other dude and he comes in and he kind of brings in the reign of the, the pop final stuff, which um, is the era that I know because I didn't really know of the company at no, all. I didn't pay attention to Fucko, Fucko, Fucko <laughs> until I saw the, um, the pop finals, of course, which I'm, I'm sure is the same as most people. So then you get to go through the reign with him and they, they show you how big it gets at Comic-Con and how they have this huge store. Well, they have their own... Funk uh, convention. They have this party, yeah. yeah the thing that's like they have like Kevin Smith in the documentary, of course. Like he he's at the party one year at like, Comic Con. Like they have this literal, pu- they have a literal Funko party where it's just where you and get it exclusive, looks crazy. where you get exclusive ones only available yeah. there. Yeah, and it looks ridiculous, um, fun but r- ridiculous. And yeah, they go through the whole history. Um, it's it's it, it's a documentary that I feel you'll only get interest out of if a you're interested in toys i suppose at least or you don't have i mean if you have a big hatred towards funko if you're one of those people who are like they're the the definition of capitalism ruining the world people fucking ruining buying all these toys you know if if that's how you feel about it you're not going to enjoy watching this um but it is kind of a feel-good doco i feel because they just interview all these people who are like i've met all my friends on one they talked to two people who got married who got who met through a forum about trading uh, Funko wobbleheads back in the day. Like, that's how they met. And they, they do a very much... The, the story they spin in the doco is very much about how their toys built a community of people trying to collect and whatever stuff. So I, we can get a relation to that, obviously, all of us meeting through the kind of funny group and that sort of thing. So yeah. I, I kind of relate to that mechanism in the storytelling. So it is a feel-good one, but it, if you do hate pops or funko you're not going to enjoy it because you're just going to be negative the whole time how long does it go for it's like 90 minutes it's not, okay. it's not long it's just a fun one but you, you chuck it on you have a, a fun time it's not like deep obviously it's just a fun thing see a bunch yeah. of toys yeah. have to check it out uh nick let's swing back to you let's talk about the big sick because you i don't know if you know this that was my favorite film of last year i'm aware yeah what do you think <laughs> it was fine Thanks for joining us, Nicholas Pryor. Let's continue. <laughs> I mean, the main two, like Camille and um, I forget his Zoe girlfriend. Like, Emily. I Emily didn't like their acting throughout the movie. I think. Oh, you mean the, the actress? Yeah, I think the movie was at its height when it was Camille interacting with her parents. Outside yeah, of that, that's I felt fair. like it went on too long, and yeah, I, I don't know. Zoe Kazan. Zoe yeah. Kazan, yeah. 
Yeah, I like the strongest act. The strongest acting come from Ray Romano and the mother. I forget her actresses. Holly name. Hunter. Holly Hunter. Hunter yeah. yeah. I Who think- is the last voices Elastigirl, which threw me at the start of The Incredibles too? By the way, yeah. Like who is that? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, like the d- dynamic between those three was fan- fantastic, and with his family, I appreciate it as well. But outside of that, I wasn't massive on at all. Well, let's. That's literally three quarters of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> it just felt like the parts where it wasn't that it dragged. Like I was, but I was checking you, my watch and looking around. You didn't like how they met their romance. They're, yeah, it was they're cool. fine. Like, I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't criticize the storytelling because that is what happened in real life. But well, I just really. didn't Actually, enjoy to a degree. It's, they, to a they degree, a lot of it. Yeah, yeah but yeah. It, the same like gist of it. But I just didn't enjoy that. Enjoy it. You didn't find no, no, no. Chemi- You didn't like the chemistry. No, I didn't. I okay. didn't think it f- felt earned or real i guess because that that scene where she wakes up after after oh that that part ripped my heart out yeah but yes okay good outside of that you're you're a person with a soul okay we can move on (laughs) why don't you talk about something more depressing the leftovers you've watched the first season just about Uh, i've got one episode left to go yeah what are your impressions it is I i feel like it's the most raw show that i've watched like none of the emotions like they come across very emotional and it all feels very real i guess like it's all believable how they got to the point that they are and the way they're acting and whatnot because it is a i guess a very stressful situation that happened i guess like (laughs) just having people randomly yeah like (laughs) it you can imagine and send the world into disarray and people carrying on like they do and like trying for, to for people who don't know what the leftovers is the premise is literally hey the end of the avengers one day flick your fingers yeah the <laughs> end of it's literally yeah one day you're, you're walking down the street with your, your boyfriend your girlfriend your partner whatever and then suddenly they're gone mm. where'd they go don't know and that, it's like how much of the population like two percent or something I don't know. Yeah, 2%. Yeah. yeah. So it's a minute number, but that works out to be a lot of people. Though. Yeah, you know, exactly. It was the like world a, population. Yeah. 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 And it's acted very, very well, in my opinion. Christopher Eccleston. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. He's the best. Yeah. He, even Justin Theroux, I think he was great. And mm-hmm. it, just all of it, really. It's all believable and some shocking turns. And it's very violent as well at some point as well. But yeah, like I'd, I'd definitely give it a watch. Yeah. I need to go back and finish the seasons I haven't. Yeah. Uh, one thing to go into it, I don't know if it's a spoiler or not, but I've seen a lot of people say, go, don't go into it expecting some grand mystery. It's a very character-driven show. Yeah, I don't think... From what I understand, they don't explain why. No. And, and that's kind of not the point. Yeah, it's no. about the, the people... The drama is driven by people dealing with that yeah. scenario it's essentially they- a show about grief yes so fun times mm. uh a show i want to you've tried a little bit of dylan uh the break with michelle wolf do you want to yeah, i've watched ex- two episodes do you want to explain that one because um i think it's been pitched as like a sketch talk show thing yeah it's a it's a 30 minute whatever late night show it's a 30 minute late night show she comes out 
does like 10 minutes of stand up. Um, there's a, there's a skit or a quick sketch in between, like when she transitions to a different part of the, the show or whatever, like it's like between the sketch and the next part, blah, 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 blah. But it's, it's mostly just stand up type stuff. It's done in front of a live audience. There's not much actual sketch stuff and you can tell the sketch stuff is done fast, you know, cause small budget, they don't yep. have heaps of time to prepare it. I suppose is the, is the, is the problem always. Um, both, or no, the first episode, love the opening 10 minute stand up was great. Cause she's really, she's funny. I think she's yep. generally, I like find her funny. Um, so th- that part was great. Most of the show was great. She brought out the guest. The guest wasn't great. It was really awkward. It was terrible. That was like, so I was like, well, I'll, I'll watch the next part. And she's not getting big guests on. Like she, she had on like a woman writer from like, uh, you know, like SNL or something. Like she's trying to, you can tell she's just trying to get on people. She's not aiming for big celebrities. You know, no. it's, it's, it's behind people that you probably haven't heard of as her guests, but that's fine. That's not the problem. It's just like, it didn't work out. Second episode, the guest was a lot better. The segment they did was funnier. Um, in general though, if you don't find her stand up and her type of humor funny, you're not going to like the show at all. Cause of course, all the sketches and the jokes and everything is very much around her type of humor, whatever you want to describe her type of humor of, which is very political pointed, you know, uh, feminist yep. agenda or SJW stuff, whatever you want to call it. Like that is her type of humor. And it, it, I find it funny. I'll probably, I'm keen to go watch the, the episode I haven't watched yet. Three, I think the new one was out. Oh, it's probably up to four now. I think I'm like two weeks behind, but yeah. I mean, I like it. I mean, stay it was, up to date. Yeah, I might stay up to that. It's only yeah. 20 minutes, half an hour, so you can yeah. put it on while you're eating breakfast or it's, whatever. I think it's tough. There's just so many shows like that at the moment, especially with former Daily Show correspondents. Yeah, but it's not trying to be a Daily Show thing, I guess. Yeah. And I don't need to go watch David Letterman. I don't need to go watch... The, he retired. Not to, not to come off <laughs> as safe, but as many, there are so many guys that are all kind of the same to me in that position, you know, and they've been doing it for 50 years or whatever. I'm like, I've heard your voice a million times over. I'm a bit bored of it. David Letterman. You know what I mean? Like he retired like two years ago. (laughs) No, but for example, I could watch his new fucking Netflix show where he's back talking to people. Yeah. But that's like once a month. Whatever that is. Yeah. But, uh, Carson Daly, Stephen Colbert, whoever, who else you got? Uh, Trevor Noah. Trevor Noah, sure. The, Daily show? the only one of those, all these shows. John that Oliver. Is, John Oliver's the only exception. He's the the best of all of them. John Oliver is is miles above any of these other shows. The, the John Oliver is the, the early late nights of, of what yeah. you should reach. Oh, that's that's on the lower end. <laughs> early late nights, but I mean it, it's fine. I don't know if yeah. I'll watch all of it, but I, I'm I, I kind of enjoyed what I watched. It was getting torn to shred online, which is the reason I I clicked yeah. on it. But of course it was because her. She's she's she was a, a topic. Well, yeah, she she oh, she did the house White House correspondence dinner. Yeah, v- a lot of people got angry about that. Yeah, which I guess in showbiz, any publicity is good publicity. So yep, sure. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure Netflix would be happy with the numbers. I guess people are clicking on it. I people guess they clicking on it. Uh, so I'm just gonna run through a few other Netflix stuff I've watched. Uh, I watched Alex Strangelove. Uh, it was touted as Netflix's Love Simons with a, it's got a gay, like, well, a confused oh, I saw gay this lead. I the other day and I was like, this looks like a rip off of Love Simon. 
Yeah, it's not great. Uh, yeah, okay, I'm not watching. I, I think the main problem is the uh, main character is kind of a dick. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's closeted and you feel bad for him. He's confused about his feelings and then they go with the most generic reason why he's suppressed. Suppressed his... Uh... Dad beats him? No. Oh. Spoilers, <laughs> he gets bullied at school. Oh, okay. In, in, yeah. Like in the, sho- in the showers or whatever. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so yeah, he suppresses all that and he's angry about it. And then, and then it all hap- turns out well in the end. So just sing a song about being emo or something. Oh, if only. That would be great. Uh, <laughs> also watched Champions, which is like a sitcom in America. Like 10 episodes uh, from Mindy Kaling. Uh, written by Mindy Kaling. It's uh, like based around a guy working at a gym who's suddenly has a half Indian son that he didn't know. Well, <laughs> he sadly <laughs> has a half Indian son. No, he knew about but never <laughs> had never had a relationship with who's or, who coincidentally is gay. Uh, yeah, it's it's fun. I watched like all 10 half episode, half an hour episode in like a day and a half. It's just like really easy. Easy to consume, I guess. I don't know what the correct term for those kind of shows is. Like they'll do. You, yeah. Was it on Netflix? Netflix, yeah. They just dumped the whole season, which is ten episodes. Yeah, yeah, but it's fun. Uh, but I also watched Set It Up, which is the rom com that they just released the other day. It's pretty great. I enjoyed it. If you're into romantic comedies, check it out. Uh, is this the one everyone was touting? Is the I saw a story. Is this the yeah? People are saying the, it's the revi- going to lead the revival of romantic comedies. It is, yeah. This one, Zoe yeah. Dutch or whatever her name is. Zoe Dutch. Deutsch. Deutsch. Yeah. I, I believe that's how it's pronounced. Yeah, I kept Get- seeing storylines where everyone's like, it's the return of good ro- rom-coms yeah. or something. Yeah. Like, she is excellent in this. Like, I have a huge crush on her right now. Uh, and also, Glenn Powell, the other lead, is pretty great in this as well. I might have a man crush on him. Uh, yeah. So check this out. It's on Netflix. It's enjoyable. Uh, let's move into some news. Hold on. You know what else is on Netflix but isn't enjoyable? Is a series of unfortunate events. Oh, what? I thought you've, you've, you've only watched two episodes. You that was too, too many. Updates. It was hor- horrible. Two, the first two episodes are the worst. I legit wanted to stop watching. Cause, uh, here's my story. This is my pitch to, to, to at least give you the, the third episode. I hated the Jim Carrey movie. I hated the book when I tried to read it. Having, so I tried to read I the, don't have I any tried, history with either of those. I tried to read the original book. Hated it. I tr- the only connection is that the first book is the storyline for the Jim Carrey movie and the first two episodes. So each two episodes of the show is one of the books. That's how it works. I hated the first book when I tried to read it. I hated the Jim, the Jim Carrey when I tried to watch it. I hated the first two episodes of Unfortunate Events. I finished watching the second episode. I was like, it is just the same fucking shit. Like, this show is not fun. I don't like any of the characters. This is just terrible. And then I was like, oh, fuck it. I'll give the, I'll give the third episode a, a go. And I really enjoyed the third episode. And then I kept watching. I, yep. That's my only pitch. Hmm. Just give it one more go. One more go. And Maybe. Report back to us. There's something about that first story in there, like that initial yeah. stay with um, him in that house. Yeah, I guess it's better when he's like a threat rather than yeah, right in front of you. Yeah, because like, after that, of course, it's they get taken to someone else and then it's him trying to get into the house like in a disguise or whatever and they always recognize it's him but then the whoever do, yeah. they're staying with is always like 
No, an it's idiot. not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's they're, they're like he's literally got a fake mustache on. They're like, no, it's it's the cleaner. Like it's fine. Yeah. So it becomes more fun when that's the the premise. I feel. Mm. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. All right. So Amazon Prime has come to Australia. It's a uh, four ninety nine a month until January, uh, where it will revert back to six ninety nine a month. Uh, Fifty nine dollars a year. With that, you get Amazon Prime Video. Both of you have been subscribed for the last however long. How much were you paying previously? Uh, two ninety nine. Yeah. Enough to never care to cancel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, we got Twitch Prime often as well. Yeah. Twitch Prime, I guess. Okay, is this worth upgrading? I guess if are they still providing it for three dollars, the Prime Video by itself? I know? have no idea. I, I think it's worth tell, if yes. you can get it for just that price. I think it's a must because add in the Prime reading or whatever it is. You get your pr- yeah Prime shipping reading stuff is as well. Reason to get um, Amazon Prime, in my opinion. Thousands okay. of books that you can get, like for no for free, I guess, okay. provided you read it on a Kindle app or Kindle device or something. They don't oh. send you books. No. Okay, so people probably are jumping in on this. What do they on Amazon Prime? Do they need to watch? Man in High Castle. Yeah. Um, Why? Because it's a very good show. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, American Gods. Yeah, which is an acquired taste. I'll give it that much. At least give it a go. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, the new John Karinsky show, Jack Ryan, Jack Ryan, looks pretty good. Yeah, that looks solid. Yeah, and some of the other, um, some of the other prime originals of like critically very well that I haven't started watching yet, like Bosch and Hand of God. Uh, the tick is on there too. If you're interested in that. But yeah, Goliath. Plus, there's heaps of movies on there as well, and very obscure documentaries as well. It is yeah. the worst of the streaming services. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Compared to the other two, it's bad, but it's for the price. Like I think for what do you mean by bad? Like it's well, I just mean Netflix is up there, then Stan, and then this yeah. in terms of quality and content. quality of content. Okay. Yeah, it's got the it's- Shield and House and NCIS and. Look, Law if, you, and Order if you're UK. looking to pay the full whatever prime price, you go, well, I'll watch one or two of those series. I watch Twitch stuff. I can give a subscription to someone and get rid of ads. I get free shipping on stuff, et cetera, et cetera. I've got a fucking Kindle. Like, it gets better the more stuff you have, I guess, is the, is the thing. If you're a fan if, of if Tom Cruise, so we... it's got about just about every Tom Cruise movie only. Yeah. If, if you can pay two ninety nine for this... It's worth paying two ninety nine to watch some of the original stuff and then forgetting about it like I fucking did and just been paying it for months. Basically, Recommend a movie. Thing. I'm just on it now. Recommend a movie. Hitler's Megaplane. Yeah, I love that one. Yeah, that sounds that, that actually does sound good for you, didn't Nick? <laughs> um It's a documentary. I wouldn't be paying five ninety nine or four ninety nine a month just for this in the background though. No. No, I'd cancel it and turn it back on when something was on I needed. But I mean, I'd leave it on just for, I'd leave it on now because we got, if I'm going to use Amazon and I'm yeah. going to use it for Twitch sub and I'll, I'll, at least I always have access to it, but it's, it's better to leave oh, it on now. I also want to add Prime. the Prime rating also has comics in it as well. Yep. It's not just books. That's good. Yeah. So 
I guess I'm going to have to get Amazon Prime. The, the, some of those shows sound pretty good. Uh, so the takeover deal for Fox, it's got interesting. Because Comcast has come in and made a bid for $65 billion. $1 billion. No, 65. <laughs> $65 billion. Oh, sorry. Uh, so, yeah, Comcast, the company behind NBC, a uh, bunch of other stuff. <laughs> uh, NBC. It's like I should have had Wikipedia page up. <laughs> no, it is in the background. Uh, DreamWorks Animation, they also do a lot of sports stuff. Uh, yeah, have made a massive bid for Fox, which uh, Disney apparently is going to match. So, what do you guys think? By $1. They can beat by $1. <laughs> I think they just have to match it dollar for dollar. I guess apparently they're going to increase the amount of cash in the bid, whereas before it was more of a stock option thing. But uh, do you think which which company would you prefer to take Fox? I'm in both minds that I want, want Disney to have it and I don't want Disney to have it. Yeah. Because I don't want them to have the monopoly of everything because then they can just literally set the price to anything they want it to be. But I also but. want to see X-Men in the MCU. <laughs> Is that the only thing? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, yeah. There's nothing else Fox has that I care about. I don't want to see Boba Fett fighting the Predator. <laughs> uh, that sounds awesome. Uh, Dylan? I My opinion on Fox these days, in the, the, what, in the current Trump... <laughs> world is I hope well the news I- is separate the news is separate yeah, yeah, as soon as I hear Fox I'm just like burn it all down I, I, I can't dissociate the name at the moment is my problem you know I, I see Fox I just get negative yeah Rupert Murdoch vibes. as long as Rupert Murdoch doesn't have it I'm happy but yeah, then Rupert so Murdoch gets 65 billion dollars richer look so. take all that shit from Fox get rid of the Fox name, give all the properties and start giving me X-Men movies under the actual Marvel banner where I don't have to see the Fox logo then have negative connotations to it. Sure. Or give give X-Men to fucking anyone where I don't have to have negative connotations, really. I don't care. Whatever. How much does the Marvel thing play into, do you think, Disney's going after Fox? I think that's a major motivator. I think they don't care because it's they're doing them a favor at this stage really but i mean they would i so stockholder wise or like the the men in the suits right Mm. at the top of the tower who who story-wise don't really fucking care they're like whatever like we don't need them to make money whereas the people you're you're i don't know people writing the stories and working in the the story room for the Marvel Universe going forward are like, it'd be really cool if we could have like, the X-Men characters are coming in and do this, but but they're like two separate worlds, you know, so. But then there's like the middle man or lady between between those two groups of people that have to kind of coordinate them, I guess. Is the thing. I, I don't reckon they have it. If they get X-Men, I still stand by. If they get X-Men tomorrow, you don't see X-Men show up in Marvel movies for five years. No, they wouldn't blow their load. They run. They do it until wait until they have another situation like they do now, where the actors are just too expensive to keep on. Yeah, so it it doesn't affect things as fast as people like to, you know. Well, if Spider-Man. they get them now, then they can like do some reshoots for Avengers two and like have X like Wolverine. Show. It's not going to happen. That's not how it works. No. 
But what are you going to do? I, I think I'd prefer Disney to take it just because NBC is Comcast is a pretty terrible company as well. Uh, Disney's <laughs> a company is pretty terrible. Oh, companies are terrible, Ash. <laughs> That's what I thought his answer was going to be. Uh, talking about terrible companies, uh, apparently Apple is moving even more into getting their own original content out. Apparently they're in the works. They're talking to uh, Cartoon Saloon, who did uh, the Oscar-nominated Breadwinner uh, and a bunch of other animated films about possibly distributing their next project. Uh, but the day after that was announced, apparently they signed Oprah to a multi-year content development deal. Oh, shit. Sign me up to Apple now. This is, uh, you, they do have... say a, that. They do have a bunch of stuff in the works at the moment. Uh, they do have a Damien Chazelle project in the works. Apparently, he's going to direct and write and produce every episode of that. They got uh, my money. Not like they already don't, but they got my money. <laughs> uh, they got a Kristen Wiig project in the works. An M. Night Shyamalan thriller series apparently is being produced. Uh, Ronald D. Moore, the showrunner of Outlander and the creator of Battlestar Galactica Reboot, is uh, set to direct a sci-fi drama for series for the... For Apple. And uh, Octavia Spencer is set to star in a TV series called Are You Sleeping with uh, Lizzie Kaplan and Aaron Paul. No, I'm not sleeping with them. <laughs> Which is like a serial spinoff. It's kind of, well, rip-off thing. So is this a good move for Apple? Is this, apparently they've spent like a billion dollars trying to get into their own original content. No. Is, is the market so saturated with yes. Netflix and Amazon and... Hulu, that this is, it's not going to make sense. Should they just stick to selling everybody else's stuff on iTunes? I think Still so. Like- this, depending on how they go at it, is fine. I, I don't, if they, if they don't, like, if they want to come out and be like, here's another fucking streaming service you have to pay $10 for. Because the problem is that once people get to, you know, three, four of these streaming services, they're like, I'm paying fucking like 40, you know, a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah. yeah. Or if it's $10, if they want to come out of a streaming service and charge two ninety nine like Amazon for it, sure. Okay. Maybe you can work at that point. If you want to come out and say, we're not doing a streaming service, but we're just going to chuck our original content on the iTunes store and you can just buy it or rent it at X price per object, like any other movie. Maybe that's another way to go about it, but if they want to come out with a streaming service and try and charge ten fucking dollars for it, uh, yeah, I just it bust and fail. Yeah, I I feel like there's just yeah the the market is very saturated at the moment. I unless their content is stellar, it's going to be difficult for them to make well, a dent. Apple's going to get into the battle royale. And then soon yeah, too. how are they distributing it as well? Is it going to be piecemeal, like pay for each piece, or is it going to be they're going to launch a streaming service? I don't know. Free for all iPhone users. I'm I'm all for more companies getting into this and the eventual demise of television. Linked to the iTunes know? music, their you know, like, streaming service. I don't know. Yeah, like if you want to give me more streaming services or like not like platforms to buy your content straight away and just make it easier. As long as you're not doing any weird shit where it's like, well, on the, this thing's only available in America at the moment on our fucking streaming service or our platform or whatever. Fuck that shit. I don't, want, I don't want any of that shit happening. But anything that gets rid of the normal ways of TV and how media is kind of dealt out at the moment with, with certain companies airing shows in America, then the rights in Australia are sold to fucking, 
you know, Fox 8 or Showtime on Foxtel and then you have to pay for Foxtel, blah, 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 blah. If we can get to a world where I can just watch everything through a smart app on my television, sure. Whatever. Yeah. I remember the first time I went, I remember sitting in the cinema watching, um, what the fuck? I've already forgot the name no, of the movie. No, what's the Kamal one? I've Big <laughs> forgot the name. No, yeah, Big Sick. Thing. I remember I was watching Big Sick in the cinema and seeing that Amazon logo come up for the first yeah. time. I was like sitting in the cinema, seeing Amazon Studios, and I just laughed, kind of laughed to myself. I feel like there was another big... There, I, I mean, the, Weren't the, they behind Spotlight as well? I can't remember. I'm not 100% sure, but I, it's it still just makes me laugh. And I remember when they announced I was doing TV shows, and I think like Transparent was their, their first big one, I suppose. But I remember when that was a big hit, it was like, fuck, Amazon's doing TV shows. They sell fucking shopping. Like, but they made it work, so whatever. Let people try, let them fail. As long as it, as long as it works to a more digital, easier access to, to media, I'm all for it. Or yeah, at least they, for people trying. They distributed Manchester by the Sea. That was the one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, apparent, so, Star Trek Discovery has got a new showrunner. Alex Kurtzman, who obviously was a big, who was wrote and produced the big. He's one of JJ's boys. One of JJ's boys did Star Trek and Star Trek Into Darkness. The news coming out today, or yeah, today or yesterday, doesn't matter. This is coming out later. Uh, <laughs> apparently, there is a bunch of Star Trek stuff in the works, including a uh, Patrick Stewart-led re- reboot. Is that something you'd be interested? In? Are you Star Trek guys? Nope. No. I enjoyed the first two reboot movies. Yeah, similar. Same as me. I I wasn't big on any of them. <laughs> I enjoyed any the t- history. Enjoyed both of the reboot movies. I found the original show boring as all fuck, and I have not gave the Netflix show a look yet. But it's on the list of I would like to give it a look. From all that I've seen, it looks interesting. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't really care. The, the idea of them bringing back Patrick Patrick Stewart for a series as someone who has no attachment yeah. is like, whatever. But then it's kind of scary because at, at the moment I'm like, both the new movies I could watch because they weren't, well they were attached to the old franchise, but in a way that you could understand. Like yeah. I knew who Lemon Nimo- Lemon three Lemon movies Nimo was as well. Yeah, you said oh, two right. movies the, and the three. third one. Yeah, sorry, third one's good. I've watched all three. I really enjoyed them. But the, the idea of them bringing him back, I'm like, oh, so. It goes back to an era of Star Trek that I don't have attachment for. Like, am I? Yeah. Are you going to be able to? Yeah. Watch but Patrick it. Stewart on TV. Yeah, no, but yeah, whatever. But yeah, no, I don't. I don't. Star Wars for life. Fuck you, yeah. Trekkies. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't think this through. Uh, yeah, so for you, you Star Trek fans out there, they're also working on a uh, uh, Stephanie Savage and Josh Schwartz, the team behind uh, Gossip Girl and. Uh, Chuck and nope, not Chuck. Uh, Runaways uh, is working on a series set at Starfleet Academy. Uh, apparently, there's a limited series in the works based around the Wrath of Khan storyline. Also, working on an animated series and another live action series. So, you Star Trek fans, you're getting the the, the getting the goods, get some content finally. Good views. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Over at Disney, they've announced who's going to be taking over from John Lasseter. So, John Lasseter has uh, been one of those terrible people, it turns out. And uh, Jennifer Lee, 
uh, the director of Frozen is going to be taking over as creative chief creative officer of Disney uh, Walt Disney Animation Studios. And Pete Doctor, the director of uh, Monsters Inc. and Inside Out, will be taking over as chief creative officer at Pixar Animation Studios. I know Nick doesn't care about animated things. Dylan, do you have opinions on this? I think it's probably a good move. Is, the only problem yeah. I have is the way they've handled him leaving. Yeah. Because he's allowed he's allowed on until like he's the end of the year. employed His until contract, the end of the year yeah. or something ridiculous. Yeah. I think he'll be let go before that, but yeah, it's kind of Yeah. They're, they're kind of trying to do it all sneakily, just pass him out the back door. Yeah. And everyone's like, we're watching you. Well, yeah. uh, fucking, we're trying to be all sneaky over there. Yeah, I don't know any of these people well enough to have an opinion on if they're good enough to run sections of the companies. But, I mean, pedigree, sure. Yeah. You know, they've That's got, kind they've of got all we can in- go off. Uh, ha- obviously, they've they've got they've been had their hands in a lot of the other projects. From what yeah. I kind of read, you look and at their IMDb's but... and you go, "Cool, yeah, you've got it. Go for gold. <laughs> like, yeah. we'll find out." <laughs> yeah, but yeah, they're, they're moving forward. That's always a good sign. Uh, so apparently, Tom McCarthy, director of Spotlight, is going to be uh, adapting S Town. Now, I know you were into S Town, Dylan. Is this something you want to see adapted? I I've not seen this new story. Explain to me what adapted means. Are they turning it into a like a proper movie, or they yeah, he's turning it into a feature film. I don't think it can work as a film. I don't know how you do it as a film. <laughs> I honestly don't know how you do it any any way other than how it's been done already. Yeah. I, well, having said that, there's crea- they're creative people with more like th- they've got the abilities we don't. I guess that they do it. It's an interesting story. So if they can manage to tell it with the same kind of twists and turns and intrigue and they can get someone that has that personality and the gravitas that the, the main dude does. I can't remember the guy's name, but the, the dude they're inter- interviewing in that, he just is such a character that you can't like, if the actor's not right for that, then it's just not going to work. I feel because one of the reasons it work is because him but there there's some interesting stuff on there some features like his maze that i went and looked up like after listening to it that i would be good to see brought to life i guess that would be really interesting and he is just like a it's an interesting place in the world he's an interesting character sure the director of spotlight spotlights a 10 out of 10 movies as far as i'm concerned very dramatic lead piece that all takes place mostly in newsrooms um, apart from when they're out interviewing people so if it's going to be a movie that all takes place with people just talking in rooms i guess are they going to have the, the the guy come down and interview him and then do like flashbacks and you know like it depends how they go about it but interesting it, it, it's is this the first time they're making a movie based on a podcast that i can think of yeah that's the interesting part of it, I guess. But this is like, I imagine maybe there's something like someone's shot something that like based on a, a, this is an American Life episode Possibly. or something. But yeah, yeah, that's the interesting part of it. I feel like I mean, there's hope for an Explosion Network film. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose back in the day, that kind of story, that kind of just grab it, li- grab it, life piece would be a, a a random article on a website or yeah something like that, and. The kind of story that S Town is wouldn't make. It's not a big enough story to make your your current affair news or anything like that. It's a. It's just an interesting piece that would show up in a, a an article somewhere in a Time magazine. I, I don't know. So, 
it, it's weird to watch a movie and be like, based on the podcast Estelle by <laughs> it's like okay sure I'll watch it it's, I'm intrigued I'm intrigued uh, so Terry Gilliam's long history with uh, the man who killed Don Quixote takes another twist he's lost the rights to the film and <laughs> nobody might ever see it again so apparently his producer from a few years ago this ties uh, into the movie we watched this week too. I was about to say it does tie in so well <laughs> Yes, it's 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 hard to wrap my right mind around. Uh, yeah, so apparent the end result is he's lost the rights to the film. Uh, apparently, this Don Branco guy is going to be suing everybody involved, and uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, this film that debuted at Cannes, admittedly to apparently mixed reviews, is never going to see the light of day. And Terry Gilliam's two decade long quest to make this film is uh, going to have a sad ending. It sounds like. That's what you get for saying naughty things in interviews, you piece of shit. I don't think it had anything to do with that. I think it was bad business deals he made. Yeah. Regarding the movie. Pretty much, but I mean... I feel like this movie's cursed at this point, because it just ties so well. His last couple of films have been cursed. I mean, he made Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus, and obviously Heath Ledger passed away through the process of making of that film, so maybe he should just take his ball and go home. You know, take... See you, Terry. Call... Call it quits. Uh, quickly touching on another interesting story. Apparently, Jordan Peele wants to make a Gargoyles live action film. Yes. Give uh, it to me. <laughs> but apparently, Disney don't want to make it. Fuck you, Disney. I was on your side 10 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, they they don't want to turn it down because they don't want to be seen as turning down something that could be good. So, they're just going to wait it out. Like they're not going to agree to green light or whatever until Jordan. I don't understand Peele why they wouldn't want gets to another do it, project. I don't understand. I don't understand why it's they're not doing anything with his property. Why would you not want? Yeah, it's actually an Academy Award property. winner Jod- Jordan Peele. Yeah. To write and direct your film, I mean, it's a weird property because unless you was like in a certain age group and you yeah. saw it on TV, you have no idea what this fucking show is. <laughs> yeah. But I'd love to see it. Disney do the right thing. Disney show. Disney do the right thing. Make a Street Sharks movie. (laughs) What? (laughs) Sure, why not? Uh, Final story I want to quickly touch on. Have you heard about Goaty, the new John Travolta film? Goaty. Goaty. I've I've seen that it bombed or something like that. It has a 0% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Holy fucking shit. (laughs) But uh, okay. as part of the advertising campaign, apparently they've been getting rave reviews from users. So they've been <laughs> saying, oh, oh, they've, uh, <laughs> uh, critics don't want you to see the movie, but other people say it's really great. Uh, but apparently on Reddit, somebody's gone through all the reviews and uh, has written, I went to take a look at the written reviews on Rotten Tomatoes and of the first 58 reviews with an available profile, 45 had created their account in June 2018. <laughs> <laughs> Out of these 45, 32 have only written a review for Gotti. <laughs> Gotti. Uh, 10 reviewed Gotti and another movie. Seven times it was American Animals for some reason. And three had written three reviews or more. Of the remaining 13 accounts, eight looked normal and five had created their account in December around the time of The Last Jedi. So those were probably legit. legit. But yeah. Uh, looks like they're trying to... It sounds like they're creating a bunch of user accounts and trying to boost their numbers on Rotten Tomatoes, but it it sounds like it's going to flop. It's going to flop hard. John Travolta, uh, 
is not having a good time because it's been a Patrick product project of him trying to get it made for like a decade or something. I think I read somewhere they went through 48 different producers. So, and it's directed by Kevin Connolly of all people from uh, Entourage. So yeah, sad end to that story. I was checking Quite to see amusing. if Battlefield Earth had a, a worse score and it does. I was just making sure that he has well, no, worse than 0%. It, yeah. Well, I'm looking at a meta score, not Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. The other, funnily enough, there were two other John Travolta movies with 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. What Staying are Alive and... Face Off. No. Uh, Look Who's Talking Now. The third one oh, with, the, yes. with the talking animals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. John Gotti. Mobster. Gotti. Yeah. Apparently it's really bad. Uh, Apparently the 96 one was bad too, so that's the thing. Yeah. Uh, I think he's a very interesting person to make a movie on, to be honest. Neither. As far as I read about him, he just seemed like a (laughs) run-of-the-mill mobster guy. Yeah. He he wasn't like eccentric like fucking Al Capone or anything like that. Hmm. Yeah. Not, not the greatest the weird thing is apparently his son is the one who was pushing to get the movie made which yeah, he probably needs fucking money that's yeah, true that's true yeah yeah uh so nick let's move on to our final segments what we what do we end up watching mm-hmm. what so nick what do we end up watching this week citizen kane here's a man that could have been president who was as loved and hated and as talked about as any man in our time but when he comes to die he's got something on his mind called rosebud now what's that mean Citizen Kane, the classic film. Uh, Dylan, you were the, actually the one who picked this one this week. Uh, the Orson Welles film. Why'd you pick this one? Um, it's always been something that I've wanted to watch because I felt like I just wanted... Well, it, it's just hailed as one of the greatest movies of all time. You have some sort of attraction to it. And then I, I opened up our website thing. What the fuck is it called? Letter... No. Flick chart. Quick flicks. Quick flicks? Quick... <laughs> The segment we do sometimes on the show where we say if we've watched Which would you rather not. watch? Yeah, yeah. I, the site where we that. will carefully pick, pick movies from it in future. <laughs> I opened that website and I, I clicked on our profile and the first movie that was there was this. And I was like, well, why not now? Yeah. Right? This so, show was a good reason to force me to finally, finally watch, watch it. it. Yes. Yeah. So what do you think? Is it the greatest film ever made? Um, no. <laughs> I, I, here's, right. I had a strange mix of emotions with the movie. To appreciate it, you do, you need to research behind the scenes. Because what, what it is renowned for and what it brought to cinema, you will not get by simply watching the movie. Because you will just go and you'll watch it. And if you've been watching movies at any point in time, like we're in the year 2018, you'll go, what is this movie doing that's special? You will not know unless you go read up on what it's actually doing. If you go read up on what it's actually doing, this movie brought a lot of first-time things to cinema, including the the focal technique that's used in it that has everyone in, in focus. It, it was the first movie to open without so a title all the, in all other films, people are out of focus? <laughs> no, well, they used to just do the whole, like, so the, the cast was in... Like, the front's in focus, but the, the background's out of focus. Oh, okay, you yeah. know, like that. That, yeah. that effect, so this yeah. This was the first movie that had everything in focus. So your front, your foreground and your background is just all in focus. So you can see what's happening at all times. Um, It also was one of the first movies or the first movie to use lighting techniques that were actually done in an artistic fashion. So having 
people's cast shadows or having them be under lights and you can't actually see their faces. Up until this point, this is the golden age of cinema where it's very much about the star power and lighting was simply done as you, you have to light them so the camera can see them. It was never an element that you would be used inside the storytelling. And you look at someone like, fuck a mental, mental blank in his name, the the guy who like f- f- uh, Blade Runner 2049 and a lot of the Coen brothers. Dallas Villeneuve. No, no, the, no, the cinematographer. Oh. Yeah, but that, that guy, yeah. yeah. he is known, if you go watch any of his movies, to do a lot of techniques that'll put the the good guys under certain lighting, the bad guys under, like, he does a lot of techniques, and I, could, I feel like he is someone who would have watched this movie and draws a lot from it. There's a lot Roger of Deakins. In, Roger Deakins, oh, thank Deacons. you, who, yeah. who rightfully had that. St. Roger lovely. Deakins, yeah. Thank you. It is a movie made up of a cast of newcomers who were all from a... Uh, theater tr- company, troupe, yeah. Theater troupe that just all came in. So Orson Welles brought in all his friends to this. Uh, so to, to to get the full appreciation, you have to go watch all the behind the scenes or read up on behind the scenes stuff. With that said, if you're just general cinema going Joe or Jane that goes and watches this movie on a Sunday afternoon, you're probably going to get bored out of your fucking mind because it is a different era of movie making. It's a different era of storytelling. It's oh, it's also the, f- the first movie that did the whole back forth, you know? So obviously Flash like Tarantino style, yeah. uh, non, non-linear, non-linear storytelling, which is, uh, which is big for its time. Also, I enjoyed it after I got through the first 10 minutes. So the movie opens. I, with- I was scared. Obviously I, it's been a while since I read up. I'm like, is this going to be like a f- mockumentary? Yeah, that's what I... <laughs> yeah, I did not like the first 10 minutes at all. So the f- the first 10 minutes opens with this... They're watching a, a newspaper or a news story Newsreel. about the death of... Um, what the fuck's his... Charles Foster Kane. Charles Foster Kane. And it's got the proper voice. Like, Charles Foster Kane was the man who grew up in this family. I'm like, oh, God. Like, we're in for trouble here. This is... <laughs> This is not good at all. This is the the gist of the movie. And that lasts for like five to 10 minutes. After I got past that and I started getting into the movie, I, by the end of it, I was legit into it. It took me a while though. I was legit invested in the story. I found the acting really, really good. It's not one of the best things I've watched all year because it is, you do have to put that time stamp on it, I feel. And the the movie's built up to be one of the greatest movies of all time. You, you expect this really epic story with like some big twist, but the the whole Rosebud thing is such a simple thing. It's not it's not whatever we've <laughs> built it up to be in our heads, I guess. Yeah. But overall, I enjoyed it. I, d- I don't know if you was to ask me like a rating, I'd, pro- I'd probably chuck out a, an eight or a nine on it. I did generally enjoy it once I got into it. It was just that first... 10 minutes to, to overcome I feel like but once it got into it it's I thought it was fun yeah Nick you're smirking over there why don't you give us your patented Nick's mini review <laughs> Citizen Kane I can appreciate the impact this film had on cinema the cinematography is fantastic for its time the story of Kane is intriguing however I found the film an absolute bore I would suggest to avoid this unless you want to study film 6 out of 10 Still, I I legitimately kept falling asleep. Really? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I too found it difficult to focus at times. Like I'd find myself checking my phone. Yep. Um. I it does pick up towards the second half of the film. I think it was more interesting. 
I felt. Uh, I don't understand why what the Xanadu thing is. I don't understand. I don't find the importance of the Rosebud thing either. I don't. Obviously, that so had been it. spoiled so several about- times before, but I don't. Uh, obviously, spoilers. Yeah. From now on until the end of the show. If you, if you, thank you for joining us. Uh, if you only was here for the stuff, we're going full spoilers on Citizen Kane from nineteen forty six. Nineteen. Well, just in case someone might have heard 41. what we said and be like, "I'll pause it and go watch it." You never yeah. fucking know. Don't go watch it. Just you never know. Two hours, so, by the way. Rosebud <laughs> is the. It is the name of his sled. That he had as a child, and you see in that scene that he's outside playing with, that he gets taken away from, and then he gets shoved into this this world, like he gets sh- basically shoved into this this big rich world, and blah blah blah, taken away from. That his, was hard his, to follow as well. I didn't understand quite catch why he got taken away. Is it because his family was living on the mines or something? What's this? There's like come mine living there, and then like relation families, like um someone died, and that was cross related or something. Yeah. I, it was a bit confusing, yes. Yeah. But they're basically like... Basically, he off, ends up rich. <laughs> he, he ends up rich by technicality of a bunch of stuff, it seems. Yeah. And then he goes off, but he gets ripped away from his... The thing he loved most, most in his life at that point, which is his sled. He, he loved out, being outside, playing on his, his sled. And then in his final moments of life, he the one thing he says is Rosebud, which is him just r- thinking of his his sled. Um, you can go online and people tear that apart to like, uh, do we all think of our childlike toys in our final moments? You know, like there's people go really in depth into it, but that is the, the general gist. The the outline is Rosebud is the sleigh. It is written directly on the sleigh. I think if I was watching this movie in 1941 and that was the end of the movie, I'd be disappointed. I guess. What? I feel like if you watch the whole thing was a sleigh. You'll Even be more disappointed. Yeah. Because it's built up to be this monumental thing. Like, it's a. I think man. people know Rosebud. I think Rosebud, Rosebud is like a general knowledge thing. Yeah, I think everyone knows what Rosebud is. Well, no. Yeah. Everyone doesn't know what Rosebud is. Everyone knows it's Rosebud. Rosebud. And they'll say yeah. it as a meme, you know? Everyone yeah. knows that that's a, a thing from this movie from Citizen Kane. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's just a human story. It's a, the, the movie's built up in our minds, and He's it was in mind as well to be this, to be this epic story. But it's based on the, so the behind the scenes is interesting if you read it up as well. Um, so it's based on basically the, the Donald Trump of the Times. It was that's who it was based on. This, this corporate uh, William Hurst. Yeah, and, and a he, bunch of other guys. The behind the scenes of this movie is just as inter- is more interesting than the movie really. And you could, you, I someone could make a good movie today based on the behind the scenes of this movie. You know, like not a documentary, like a legit movie. I feel about Orson Welles and the, and what was happening when this movie was coming out. If someone has, it's probably shit because I haven't heard of it. And I've watched <laughs> it. Let's be honest. Um, but yeah, so behind the scenes, he, he based this movie on his story. And then when I was, when he that guy used all his William Hurst used all his power when the movie was coming out to to try and shut it down. And he was, you know, saying that uh, Orson Welles was a Nazi synthesizer or something along those lines. Tabloid like newspapers. Communists and all this sort. Yeah, he was using his power, his, his Rupert Murdoch power yeah. to, to to swing against someone who made a movie with a bit of a political message against someone. It wasn't like directly naming him, but everyone kind of knew that's who the movie was based around. And it is the story of someone being corrupted by power, greed, money, 
that's the the general gist of it. And maybe in the final moments of his life, he he tried to he realized that he was a bad person. And he thought back on his his childlike toy thing. But the, the the story is someone of someone becoming evil, like someone getting obsessed with money, and that's what it does to him. Like when, when you first see him starting up all those newspaper companies, he's he seems like a generally good dude, and you, you like him at this point. I liked him at this point. The scene where um, his handler or whatever the person who picked him up from the his child home comes that in sure. and says yeah he's like you can't be telling this story about like corruption in this blah 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 because you've got money in that and he says yeah i've got money in that and yeah i'll lose money in that but i'm also running this newspaper and i have a journalistic integrity to tell the story that was a really cool scene and i i, yeah. I like that but that just kind of sets up his character for the overall arc that it is that that's how he starts out as as someone who mm-hmm is rich and has his foot in many fields, but will always do the the right thing to the, the general average person out on the street. And then as he gets older, he just becomes corrupted. He gets more obsessed with the money, the power. He, he isn't looking out for the person on the street, which was his in, in original intention. He starts Zanakin or whatever the fuck it is, which Zanadu, is yeah. literally a fucking car. The most bizarre Bruce. part of the whole story. Apparently it's Noah's Ark or something. Aren't they? Yes. <laughs> it's like I don't know how they got that footage of the animals and stuff being shipped. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty it's cool. Like this, it's Here you go, Dylan. RKA 281, a historical drama film directed by Benjamin Ross starring Leif Shriver, James Comrell, Melanie Griffith, John Malkovich, Roy Schneider, and Liam Cunningham. The film depicts the troubled production behind the 1941 film Citizen Kane. When was it released? Uh, 1999. Huh. Yeah, uh, uh, remind me, of, I would generally list. have an interest in watching yeah. that. Because it, it's behind the scenes is is really interesting. But yeah, I'm, I've, I, found the, I found the general story of this, I feel is still, it's not directly relatable because it's all about newspapers being the number one thing. And of course, if you was going to update it today, it would be television like it would be fox news or you know something like that is the the main thing and it would be a donald trump character something along those lines the power of corruption but i think the story still holds up like the general money greed corporate power corruption like someone just collecting fucking statues so yeah (laughs) but i i i I, it's impossible to argue that this movie won't bore most people to death like i'm not going to try and argue it it is legitimately For people who have an interest in the history of cinema and people who study cinema and where it's come from, but if you're watching it for entertainment, just just avoid it altogether. Yeah. Yeah, I would never suggest to the average person to watch this ever. <laughs> it's not it does not hold up well no. in the, the general scope of things, I guess, is the is the problem. But but having said that, I mean knowing how big of a movie it is and how often it's talked about, do you really, like, do you regret watching it? Because so, even if you hated it and he was like, oh, it was boring, but it's... At least I you still, watched it. You can say you watched you it. You still can say you've watched it and you've it's it's done. It's I like feel. you read a textbook. Yeah. It's, it's learning. Yeah. Yeah. It's an important part of cinema, so... Yeah. Props to the makeup department as well. It's like they the Beatles. They're important to the industry, but highly overrated. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the makeup department is really, really good as well. There. Yeah, like his whole aging and de-aging mm. or whatever you want to call it because even when he's at his youngest that was they made him look younger so yeah it's all over the place a bit crazy yeah I don't know Citizen Kane would I watch it tomorrow? no, no. <laughs> would I watch it next year? probably not I, I no. like that I've watched it yeah. I enjoyed it I enjoyed one it behind the, the scenes it's, it's there you go cool <laughs> one for the cinephiles <laughs> uh, 
Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, let's go over some housekeeping. Nick, where can people find you on Twitter? And more importantly, where can they find you on track.tv? You can find me at Xenadu. Or at Lord Empire. <laughs> Is that where the Olivia Newton-John movie comes from? Is that, Xanadu, is that related at all? Xanadu. No. Nah. It's based on the, like, the actual historical Xanadu. There's a historical Xanadu? Yeah. Da-da-da-da-da. It's got nothing. It's, got, it's similar. <laughs> it's similar. It's similar to a Noah uh, fucking medieval castle or whatever the fuck. With a bunch that. of statues. Also, yeah. I will say that that uh, tantrum t- scene at the end went on way too long. Which one? <laughs> We're destroying everything. Yeah, when, yeah. when he spent like a good five minutes his breaking his entire awful set. singer wife left him. Did you? I think they kept it all because apparently behind the scenes, like he he like cut open his hand massively and it was bleeding everywhere. But they he just kept going and kept punching stuff and like you know got into it. So he probably sat down in the editing room and was like, "Well, I fucking too much <laughs> blood went into this. Too much blood went into this. I've got to keep it all." But yeah, I'll agree. That's where the editor should be like, "Mr. Director, I know, like I understand." As the editor, <laughs> cut a little bit of it. But yeah, yeah, that's fine. Uh, Dylan, where can people find you on Twitter and track? You can find me on all those things and platforms at Viva Ladil, V-I-V-A-L-A-D-I-L. Track.tv slash Viva Ladil, slash user slash Viva Ladil. I don't know, it's in the links. Yep. Check below on your phone or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> not. Uh, you can find me on those places at Ashley Hobley A-S-H-L-E-Y-H-A-B-L-E-Y it's a thing uh, you can follow the Explosion Network on Twitter at Explosion Pod you can find all our live video content at twitch.tv slash Explosion Network including our reacts which we do from time to time or you can catch them later over at youtube.com slash Explosion Network or just go to explosionnetwork.com and find them links to everything we do all the podcasts that we make uh, top five Platinum Explosion. You can find all 69 episodes of Pleasure Explosion, now complete, on ExplosionNetwork.com. Now complete. <laughs> the complete collection. Yeah. Uh, if you've got any suggestions on what on the show or any comments you want to make, you can always send an email at mail at ExplosionNetwork.com. And you can always sit, leave us a f- review on iTunes, especially if you've had your account for a while. Don't make... Don't feel like you have to make one just to review the show. Please do. Yes. Nick, why don't you set an example and make one? And Not going to happen. I'm better than that. All right. <laughs> join our Discord. Discuss the movies. Yeah, join our Discord. Uh, explosionnetwork.com slash Discord. We talk about all sorts of stuff on there. Nick's pushing the conversation. It's great. So, until next time. Keep watching stuff, I guess. Hey, Ashley here to let you know what you need to know about the Explosion Network in June 2018. Pleasure Explosion is coming to an end. On Thursday, the 21st of June, the Explosion Network's original podcast will play that signature guitar riff one more time as we retire the show at episode 69. Nice! If you have any favourite moments or questions or even random topics, it's Pleasure Explosion after all. Throw random shit. Tweet them at ExplosionPod with the hashtag Pleasure69 or email us at pleasure at explosionnetwork.com. June means E3, so make sure to check out ExplosionNetwork.com for all our E3 coverage and react. Tales of Theldon's whole first season is now available to binge listen to. Is that even a thing?
Our D&D audio drama is available at ExplosionNetwork.com, iTunes, and all other good podcasting services. Thank you to everyone who's listened, and if you haven't yet, now's the time. If you're watching Westworld Season 2 at the moment, make sure to follow our Twitch at twitch.tv slash explosionnetwork for Bevanworld, our Westworld after show where we break down every episode. Watch live on Twitch or find it on YouTube at youtube.com slash explosionnetwork and podcast services including iTunes the day after airing. And of course, you can find all our other great podcasts, articles and other explosive content like what do you want to watch at explosionnetwork.com. So until next time, keep consuming our content, I guess? Rosebud.